Thank you, team. Wow. If we could just go do that this week, right? Keep that prayer on our hearts. That's a dangerous song to sing if we mean it. You know that. It really is. It's uh, so good to be with you. If uh, you're just here for the first time or you've been away for a little bit this summer, you're dropping in on a series we've called The Unexplainables. The Unexplainables. And the idea behind this series was uh, just piggybacking off of summer movie series, uh, summer movie blockbusters. So oftentimes, summer movie blockbusters are superhero movies. And uh, one of the ones that really hit the scene early in the summer was The Incredibles 2. Incredibles 2, about this normal family that had these superhuman powers. And um, I said, we've been saying, you know, we really enjoy, I personally enjoy superhero movies. Uh, I like the idea of there being these men and women and even children for The Incredibles that have these superhero uh, powers and they do good things in the world. And most of us probably won't ever fly or have invisibility or turn things to ice or whatever it would be, whatever your favorite superhero power is. But we're called to be something more than the Incredibles. We as Christians are called to be the Unexplainables. And what we mean by the Unexplainables is that our lives as followers of Jesus would be so different from the rest of the world. That our, the way that we love people, the way that we serve people, the way that we have a, a, a moral ethic would be so different from the rest of the world. That when people would see the people of God in their daily lives, the way that they lived their life, the way that they spoke, the way that they served, everything about them would be truly unexplainable if they didn't know who Jesus was and how you followed him. It would, your lives would be a cause for a question of what it is. Why is the hope that you have? Why, why are you that way? And we've said that this unexplainable life that we have is, is because of the supernatural power of God living in us. And the big idea for this entire series is that this supernatural power of God that's in us is truly unexplainable, especially to those who don't have it, but it's livable. That's the part that we're really focusing on. It's not just some thing we read about in scripture. It's not just some idea that we talk about on Sunday morning. We truly, if we would allow his Holy Spirit to capture our hearts and lives, we would be able to live unexplainable lives. And so we've been looking at a, a letter from the Apostle John to the church. And John in this letter, 1 John, is talking about how do we live out this life? How do we walk in the ways of Christ? How do we become truly Christian? And we've been walking through the letter of 1 John to see what he's saying about this livable, unexplainable life that we're called to live. And so today is no different. We're picking up again in 1 John. 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3, starting at verse 16. I invite you, if you have scripture with you, to, uh, to turn there with me this morning. If not, later on, we'll have all of the passage on the uh, screen, but for right now, I just invite you to turn there as we read this out loud together as a church this morning. This is the Apostle John. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay our lives for the brothers. For, every, for if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, 
Let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Whew, can't wait to get to that one. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. Are you ready for this? God's going to say some good stuff this morning. Let's bow in prayer together. Father, I just thank you so much for your presence in this place, for your people gathered here this morning. We thank you for your word, and as we are about to sit at your feet and to learn from you, Father, I would just ask that you'd quiet those things that we have planned ahead today, those things that would distract us, that we would have open ears and, and eyes to what is said, but also that our hearts would be open, Lord. As I so often pray to you, Lord, in these moments, I just pray again to you, Father, that this would not be a time of information gathering. It wouldn't be a time where people are just learning with their head. No, Lord, I pray that through the power of your spirit in every life in this place, that you would bring about a transformative work because we are here today. And that we would leave here different because we came and spent time with you this morning. Help me, Lord. I can't do this on my own. This is your word, your message. Bring life to it. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. You know, where we've been through these past few weeks is that we've talked about what this unexplainable life looks like. We've talked about the fact that if we get to know Jesus, we have unexplainable joy. We've talked about the fact that there's this unexplainable light, that God is light, and he gives us a light in our hearts. And if we engage his light, not only does his light shine in all the dark places and reveal to us and expose the places where he still needs to change us, but that as we're changed, we become light to the world. So that was unexplainable light. And then we talked about unexplainable freedom, that this thing that we can't even wrap our head around compared to what the world says, that you and I, we have freedom in Christ and we find freedom in this life when we admit that we're fallen. When we admit we can't do it on our own. When we get to the place where we actually admit we need a savior is where we first begin to experience freedom. And then we talked about God's unexplainable love. Remember that? And we asked the question, what does this unexplainable love of Jesus require of me? And I hope you're still asking yourself that question as you're engaging with people each and every week. When we talked about having a hatred or a not, uh, not a love for the world. We talked about those three places that we often, one of us, ha we have problems with one of them, whether it's our approval or our ambition or our appetites. Then we talked last week or two weeks ago about these weapons God's given us, as we deal with the false messages the world send us, the word and the spirit of God in us, that if we engage these things, they're not just given to us to inform us, they're given to us to form us into his likeness. And then last week, Dick shared with us that we have this unexplainable family that you and I, not because of anything we did, but because of God's love for us, we've become God's children. And if we would just grab a hold of that, folks, that changes everything. And so 
Today I want to talk about me being a father. God is our father, and I'm not always as good of a father as God is, to be honest with you, just in case anybody thought I was. A couple, week, a couple years ago, uh, one, one explanation of this is a couple years ago, uh, my wife and I had to make this shift in our family where I started being the dad who had to get my kids up and to school every day, okay? And can I tell you, it's been a few years and I'm still really bad at it. And though I'm like ready for them to go back to school in a week, I'm really not good at it. And you know what? Sometimes kids don't listen to you. Can you believe that? In fact, yeah, even the pastor's kids, it's amazing. And, and my, my one daughter... Uh, in a season a few years ago, was having this problem where I would ask her to do something and she wouldn't do it and she'd just get lost as we were trying to get ready and we were late every single morning because of her. And you know, I can't imagine that there would be anybody out here like this, but she would say, I'm sorry, Dad, I'll never do that again. And then she would do it there the very next day, right? And so one day, one particular day, we were so late. We were so late that, and I had just had enough. I haven't had enough of it. And, and, and so we're on our way to school. And I'm not proud to say, but I just lost it. I did. I just lost it. And, you know, here's the thing. She, she, she's, uh, she's the type that she's stone-faced. Like, you just never even know if you're getting through to her. I'm like, I would be happy if there was just any reaction whatsoever. There's no other kids in the place like this, I'm sure. But, and, and here's what happened. I lost it on her. And finally, finally I got through to her. Finally, she broke down, and I got to be honest, just between you and me, I was so happy. <laughs> I was like, yes, I finally got her, you know? And so, I know, I'm a terrible dad. That's why I shared that in the beginning. And so we get to the, we get to the school, and we get, out, get everybody out of the car, and I'm walking her in, and I, and I see her crying, and I see her sobbing, and, and, uh, and something just hits me. Something just hits me, and I, I know it was the Holy Spirit. It hit me so hard. And God, I felt like God said to me in that moment, no. Because here's the thing. My little girl wasn't convicted in that moment. In that moment, she actually was feeling condemned. In that moment, it wasn't that I brought about through my words life change. In that moment, she was experiencing shame. And I will tell you, in that moment, God said to me, this is not how I deal with you, Dan. And it, was, and it just stopped me in my tracks. So we walked into the school, and I'm sure I looked like a mess because I was just processing this, and this, my little girl's crying, and we dropped my other daughter off, and we get to the door where the teacher's at, and I just look square at the eyes of the teachers, and I said, we'll be back. And we must have looked so terrible because the teacher was like, that's fine, whatever, you know, like, <laughs> you know, you gotta go. And so we turned around and we walked out of the school and I took, I took my daughter and I put her, I'm not saying her name because I just, you know, want to save that part for her. And, and uh, I took her and I put her in the car and I didn't say a word and I was just kind of walking by what God wanted me to do. And I drove out of the school parking lot and I made a right and I turned and there was a Dunkin' Donuts there. And I just pulled in and I walked in, walked her into the Dunkin' Donuts and picked her up, and I had her look at all the donuts. And I said, if you could have any donut here, which one would you want? And she said, a strawberry donut with sprinkles. So I ordered that one and a coffee for myself, and we went over and sat down, and I set the donut in front of her, and I'm almost sure that she thought I was going to eat it in front of her. <laughs> because 
you know, this is the path I had been on that morning anyway. So she's like, man, this guy's really cruel. And, and I just said to her, go ahead and eat it. Folks, you should have seen her face. She couldn't figure it out. She's looking at me. What do you mean? I'm like, go ahead and eat it. It's yours. And then I had the opportunity. God gave me the opportunity in that moment to talk to her about grace. To talk to her about how my father deals with me when I continually do things and say sorry and then do it again. How when I don't deserve any good gift, he gives it to me anyway. And how I, though I want her behavior to get better, my love for her will not change regardless. That though I do not want what happened this morning to ever happen again, that nothing in our relationship has changed. And that God will continue to give me good gifts. And it's his love that continues to draw me to him. Continues to want me to walk out my life the way that brings him pleasure. And I want her to see that even at the worst day we've ever had, me and her, that I'm going to give her a gift. And I'm going to treat her in a way she doesn't deserve because that's how my Lord treats me. Now, you could leave this story there, but I want to share something else before we move on this morning. This, this story may have done something for my daughter and I, but one thing you got to know is this story actually did way more for me. In that moment, though I could have been mean, though I had a right to be upset, though I had a right to discipline her, though I had a right to, to call, her, um, call her out on her behavior, all of those things, I put them away and I died to those rights and I gave self-sacrificially in love to her. And nothing in my life that I've ever done up to this point, it's a huge part of my story because never in my life have I been more assured of God's love for me. Because some way, in some interesting way, the way that I acted like Jesus in that moment actually assured my heart of how the Father treats me. Because I was living out in that moment the love of Jesus, and I never felt more loved by God because of how I was living out the model he had given me. And you know what? This is super important. The reason I share this story is super important today because there are people in this room this morning who see God as the mean guy, who see God as the mean dad, who see God as the God who would never give you a strawberry sprinkled donut, but only give you a smack on the back of the head, only give you the words that bring shame, give you, give you the, mo- the words that, that bring contempt in your heart, where you feel condemned and you could never be good enough, and you think that God is that way, and you don't know how assured you are of being a son, of being a daughter. You don't know how much God loves you because you see him in a way that the Father doesn't want you to see him. And I want you to hear this morning that this is right where God wants to speak to you if you're in that place. If you've never been sure, if you see him as the dad that loses it on the way to school rather than the dad who gives gifts that aren't deserved, this is where God wants to meet you today because we see him sometimes as the angry dad. 
And we don't have assurance in our heart of where we stand. And we feel condemned, but there's also things in the world that come along that give us this place where we feel rocky in front of God. We have questions of things that happen in our lives, things that don't go right, and we think to ourselves, let's be honest, why, why would a loving God let this happen to me? Right? Or we have questions in our hearts because of guilt, or people die because of sickness, and we think to ourselves, God, are you real? Do you really love me like a loving father, or are you the mean God? Are you the mean dad? And we see the world's brokenness and we're just not sure. And guilt comes into our hearts and we don't know what to do with it. And I want you to know this morning, church, if this is you now or this is you at some point, I think it's something we all struggle with. I think it's a common experience we have and we tend to see God through this lens. If it wasn't the case, then there would be no reason for John to write what he did in his letter this morning. God put this in the letter because he wants us to be assured of who we are. And so as we talk about this passage, this is what John wants us to focus on as we live out unexplainable lives. And as we do that this morning, I want you to know that this passage is going to be, this is for all you, um, I'll call you Bible nerds, and I'm one, so it's good. It's a good thing. All you Bible nerds, some passages in the scriptures, the best way for us to interpret them is kind of in a bell curve, okay? I just want you to see that this morning. It's actually, the former name for it is a, is a, a chiasm, and what that means is that it's the middle of the second section of the scripture that actually points to the meaning. So it's that high point, what really draws us in, and that on each side of that high point actually mirror each other. Are you with me? Does this make sense? So one point points to the other point on the middle. And so we're going to focus today, rather than going verse by verse, we're going to focus on that high point first, because that's where John really wants to get us, and then we're going to break down the rest this morning. And so the high point in this passage this morning is verses 19 and 20. We're talking about assurance this morning. John writes this, by this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. Everything you're about to hear, everything in this section of the scriptures for one purpose, to reassure our hearts that we are of the truth of the word and we are sons, we are daughters and make sure that before God we know who we are in him. For whenever our hearts condemn us, see there it is, it's a common experience we all have. It's going to happen. John wouldn't have to write this if it doesn't happen, that our hearts condemn us, that there's a point in our lives when we say, you know what, maybe I'm not worthy to be a son. Maybe I'm not worthy to be a daughter. Maybe I'm not worthy to be in front of God. Whenever our hearts condemn us, when we sin and we feel, we feel guilty, whenever that happens, God is greater than our heart. Boy, I could preach a whole sermon on that. Do you know that your feelings about how you are in relation to God actually don't determine your relationship with God? And I'm a feeler, and that's tough. Because if it isn't all good and love, and you know, if I don't feel good about God, he, he obviously doesn't feel good about me. No, that's not what John says. Whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our hearts. And he knows everything. I mean, what, Paul, what John's trying to say here is that there is a way for you and I to be assured in our life with God. There's no need to ride this roller coaster of our emotions to wonder depending on how we do or how confident we feel about God's love. He's saying there's no need to do that. John wants to move each and every one of us today away from a perpetual nasal gazing, navel gazing. You know what I mean by that? When you're constantly looking in, 
trying to decide each and everything that you're doing. How do I live the right way? He wants to move us away from that because even when we sin, we have a confidence and God knows us better than ourselves. He knows everything. His omniscience allows us to be assured in our lives of our position in Christ. Did you catch that? He does. And it's all because of a verse you all know so well. It's all because of this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. In another verse, Paul says it was just at the right time that Christ died, not for the godly, not for the perfect, but for those who were a mess. And there's a way for us to be assured of that if we believe about it. And if we are assured of that because of what God did, not what we did, if we stand there, if we allow our hearts, regardless of the feelings, regardless of the condemnation, regardless of what comes along in our life, if that is our grounding, that God has accepted me as his own, and now I move from there, then the rest of this verse makes sense. We can start walking down from the bell curve. Because what comes next is verse 18, on this side of the curve. Little children... Because we're assured, because our hearts are firm, let us, not love, let, let, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. You see, something happens when we take our eyes off ourself. When we stop worrying about ourselves, when we stop worrying about our security, something happens when we accept that we are dearly loved, we are sons and daughters, we can now move to a place where it's not just lip service, but it's actually we do something about it, where our lives begin to live out something, where we begin to be unexplainable. And John says something incredible, that we receive assurance when we start living out that truth experientially by loving others. That's how we become reassured on our hearts. So it's not just about what we say, it's about how we do it. Very similar to what James tells us. And he goes on, right down, the, right down the, the curve again. If anyone has the world's goods and sees a brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? John's saying, if you are assured of who you are in Christ, not only should it be not just words, not just lip service, but you should be actions, but it should be, this is, this is an example of what that would look like. If you have the means to help somebody out, and you don't, then God's love isn't in you. Is that hard for anybody else? But that's what he says. He says that as we do it, as we're assured, we should be moving out in our words and our deeds. And then he finishes it this. He says, by this we know love. You want to know what love is? You want to ask the question, what really is love? How does it look to love? Is what I see on TV love? No. By this we know love. That he, Jesus, laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. You can put brothers and sisters in there. So let me explain what John is saying. John is saying this is how we come to understand what Jesus has done for us. This is how we come to know that what, what, what the word of God says in John 3.16, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him 
will not perish but have everlasting life. This is how you know that you are a child of God. This is how you know that you are loved. This is how your heart is assured and no longer condemned by your feelings, by your actions. This is how you know John 3.16 is your anchor to your soul regardless of what the world brings along. This is how you know that. You walk out his love in your life to somebody else and the blessing on the other end is assurance. It blows my mind. The fact that being assured of who I am in Christ actually doesn't come by me studying more. It doesn't come by me being, being, being holy and holy and holy. Like, that's important. Don't ever hear me say that. That's not important. It is. Being a disciple is so important. I've preached other messages about that. But what John is saying, what's unexplainable about the assurance we have in Christ is what I experience myself with my daughter. That when I want to, when I live out the love of God in the lives of somebody else, when I give my life away to somebody else, when I give something to someone who has need, when I allow my life to be put aside, when I allow myself to be laid down for someone else, that the top of the bell curve that my heart is assured of who I am and will no longer condemn me in the ways of my feelings and my emotions. That's what John's saying, and it's unexplainable. The way that you become assured of John 3.16 in those moments when you're not sure if John 3.16 is true is 1 John 3.16. That should help you remember it. What's my path to assurance of John 3.16? 1 John 3.16. Isn't that nice the Lord did that for us? I like when he makes it easy on me. By this we know love. By this we know it. That he laid down his life for us. We ought to then lay down our lives to someone else, for someone else. And it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. It's unexplainable to me. But the truth is that a sure heart is found in a love worth giving. It's knowing God's love and then giving that love away leads back to a blessing of assurance. It doesn't make sense. If anything, as I was looking at this sermon this week, I thought this may be the most unexplainable sermon of the unexplainable series. That me being assured of Christ's love for me has nothing to do with me. But isn't that so much of Jesus? Let's continue down the other side of the bell curve where we see these parallels. On the other side of us being assured in Christ, even when our hearts condemn us, we know that we are loved by God because he knows more about us than we know about ourselves and he wanted to die for us anyway. And if we believe that, we're assured of that. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, if we are firm in this, if we believe everything I just said so far, we have confidence before God. It changes everything about our relationship with God. We can go before him and something happens to our hearts and when we approach other people in love like Jesus. And we will ask from him whatever we ask because we obey him and do things that please him. We will receive from him whatever we ask because we obey him and do the things that please him. The parallel in that bell, bell curve is that if anyone sees a brother in need and has means to do it, and does not do it. The love of God is not in them. But this is the picture of what God says when you're assured of who he is, that whatever you ask, you will receive. When you're confident in Christ and you live for him, whatever you ask, you will receive. Now, before you think I'm a health and wealth pastor, I believe underlining in this is that because we're confident 
of who we are in Christ, because we know him, because we are walking out obedience in loving others, what we ask begins to change. Our confidence in God changes. Our our confidence shifts from being based on our feelings to being based on what God's word says about us. We receive what we ask because we're doing what pleases God, and it changes what we are praying. Folks, if you want to have insurance and you're starting to live out 1 John 3.16 in light of John 3.16, and you're starting to live sacrificially for others, I promise you your prayer life is going to change. I promise you God is going to change what you're praying about. Because your focus is going to be on that person that you just loved the other day. The focus is going to be on that need that you know that needs to be met. And you don't have what it takes to meet it. Your focus is going to be on living out in obedience what God calls you to do. Because you're living in obedience out of your assurance. And now your prayers that you're starting to ask are about being in line with what God wants in the world. And through you, not what you want. The checklist changes from me-centered to they-centered. And what you ask will receive. And then he finishes up this. And his commandment, this is the commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. So 1 John 3, 16, this is how we know love. That he laid down his life for us. Now we must love other people. And John says, oh, by the way, if you forget, that points to assurance. Following 1 John 3, 16, points to assurance. It assures your heart. And now your prayers change. Now you can approach God. Now you don't have to waffle here and there. Now you can live your life assured of who you are in Christ. And now you can love other people self-sacrificially. And then he says, oh, by the way, this is a commandment. This isn't an option. This is a gift from God. But because of what Jesus did, believe in him and love one another just as he commanded And the other end of all of this is a sure heart is found in the love worth giving. It blows my mind. And if you walk out of here today with anything else, it blows my mind just as I experienced with my daughter. That God says, for me to get over myself and constantly be worrying about my place in Christ, if I've surrendered my life to him, if I've admitted I'm a sinner in need of a savior, and he becomes Lord of my life and his spirit dwells within me, that what I have to do then is surrender all that I have to him and love other people self-sacrificially in spite of that. And each time I do that, the blessing that God will give me is assurance of my Father's love. And folks, I'm telling you, I experienced it for myself. And it's so Jesus, is it not? That letting go of yourself, letting go of your life, living out self-sacrificial love, asking the question, what does love require of me in every spot, actually brings a blessing of assurance. And it's upside down. It doesn't make sense. It's unexplainable. But it's the, it's the Jesus who we follow who told us that he who, lives, who loses his life will find it. It's the same Jesus who told us to die means to live. It's the same Jesus who told us, up is down, the greatest is least. If you're a servant, you're the greatest. If you're the first, you're the last. 
This is the message of who Jesus is. And if we believe that we are children of God, if we believe Paul Myra Grace is full of people who were loved by God, who Jesus Christ died for, and that he came and he lived among us and he died on a cross, a sinner's death, and now we get to have the benefits of life and eternity with him. And right now, those of us who have a spirit in us are set on a course to everlasting life, not when we die, but now that we are living into that love and that we can walk through the world with all the questions, all the stuff that happens and be assured that that is the truth in which we live, that we have the ability to walk out our faith day by day and love others in a way that puts us second, them first, that each time we take that step, Jesus assures our heart that what he said is true and that we know where we're going and we don't have to worry about the things that others worry about. We only have to worry about living for Christ because we're assured of it. That our God gave us strawberry sprinkled donuts for no reason. (laughs) And because of that, we can give everything else away to everyone else. Because whatever we ask from him, whatever we need from him, he's got us. The promise for ours is already kept. And these worldly in-betweens, they're not important. We can accept the truth that John 3.16 becomes an assurance of our lives when we live out 1 John 3.16. And a sure heart in that place is found in a love worth giving. So what would happen? I have to ask. What would happen in this place? What would happen in your life if you truly believed this? If you're in a place where you walked in today and you're like, I'm not really sure even if... Jesus loves me because you don't know what happened to me this week, Pastor. You don't know what she said, what she did. Those things are real. The things that we come across each and every day are real. The friends that we have that, are, that died cancer, it's real. So are the questions. The doubts, they're real. But John says... There's assurance in our life. There's assurance that Christ died for all of this darkness, all of this death. This is not the way it was to be. And the first part of his plan to rescue and redeem the world already happened 2,000 years ago at a cross and three days later at an empty grave. And we can be assured and move forward that. And we can live differently because of it. It's in the humility of self-sacrificial love to the person you hate the most that you most become identified with Jesus Christ. And God will assure your heart of who he is. What if we lived that assurance of our forgiveness comes when we forgive the unforgivable? What if we live that way? What if we lived in a way where we focused on others' needs and it changed our assumptions, it changed our prayers, it changes the way we approach God? What if we allowed others' needs to define what we do when we go to him each and every day? John says it's going to be a blessing of our insurance as sons and daughters of Christ. What if we began hearing from him and obeying how he's calling us to live rather than thinking and deciding whether we're going to do something for somebody, whether they deserve it or not? Ooh, that's a tough one, isn't it? What if we sought to bless in every circumstance rather than seeking a blessing because the blessing is ours is already had because we're already blessed beyond measure because we have assurance as sons and daughters that everything that we have for the God that has to give us is already ours. 
And if we would just live out his love, our hearts would be assured. It doesn't make sense. We want to be an unexplainable church. It doesn't make sense to me. I tried to make sense of it this week, that, that my assurance, my, my anchor during the waves of the world come not by, not by asking God, to, am I okay? Am I okay? I'm okay. I did this. I did this. No, no. It's when I act out what he did for me with somebody else. And that action changes my heart and allows me to be so assured of my love and that I'm loved by God that nothing else matters. That's unexplainable assurance. But that's what God wants for us. That day that I had with my daughter, I, I wanted her more than anything to know that her daddy loved her. I did. I wanted her to know that no matter how bad she acts, her daddy loves her. And I want, of course I want them to obey. Of course I want her to live the way that I want her to be shaped. But I believe that she'll do that when she's assured that no matter what, I love her. No matter what, she's going to get the best of me. Now, if I believe that and you believe me, why do we think our father's any different? Why? And if we don't, then that should change how we live. And there's still a blessing for us when it does. Because John says, when we give everything away, because of who we are in Christ, God promises that everything of ours, everything of his is already ours. That's unexplainable assurance. But it's such good news, isn't it? Are you ready to live this? Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you so much for your word, for your assurance. We thank you for the lessons that this life gives us. Most of all, Lord, I thank you for Jesus. Jesus, I thank you that your death on a cross, that your resurrection from the dead and that your spirit has sought me out, made me your own, changing, is changing me from the inside out. And that I don't have to lose sight of that ever. And that I get, to picture, get a picture of your love for me each time I love others the way you've loved me. Lord, I thank you that this is the truth for each of us in this room who follow you. And I would just ask that this week, We'd continue to ask that question, what does this love require of us? And we would walk into that, and each moment we would be assured of who we are in you. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.